So today is our third week of our sermon series on queering the Christian life. Uh, For some reason, as soon as Joey showed me the outline of this sermon series, I felt like I wanted to preach this week when we're talking about touch. And I was excited, I was excited to think about this theme, to think about this scripture from Jacob wrestling with this stranger. I was excited until I wasn't. Because while I identify as a bi woman, I'm also a woman married to a man. And so I panicked. I thought, who am I to preach on queer touch? Until a friend of mine caught me saying this and said, but wouldn't your touch still be queer touch since you identify as a queer person? And I realized that all of the restrictive, heteronormative understandings of the world are deeply embedded in my own mind even as I embrace my own identity. And I think we do this all the time. Because no matter how we identify, as we come to discover who we are, all of us have to find ways to remain hold of our own stories when we live in a society that is built around limiting our stories to what fits the norm. And so for the purposes of this series, we have defined queer as anything that goes beyond the barriers of the norms of heterosexual cisgender identity. And we use queer as a verb, because by queering the Christian life, we expand our understanding beyond what heteronormativity would rather restrict. By queering the Christian life, all of us, no matter our identities, can learn to see the ways that God is at work breaking down barriers. Ways that God is at work making sure that all have a seat at the table. Over the last several centuries, various Christian leaders and scholars have perpetuated ideas that both intentionally and unintentionally suggest that our bodies are bad. That bodies, especially queer bodies, are shameful and dirty and less than holy. And people have misinterpreted scripture, such as the letters from the Apostle Paul, to make it sound as though our bodies are bad and at odds with our spirits. And queer theology reminds us to take yet another look at these scriptures, to reconsider them, to reconsider all of scripture, and see the ways that our holy text proclaims how important and beautiful the body really is. Because our bodies are holy, and so is the touch we crave. I believe most of us, if not all of us, have some sort of understanding of what kind of touch we need, what kind of touch we crave. 
Much of the norm assumes an understanding of touch where craving touch means we crave something sexual or something romantic. And queer folks show us that touch is these things and also so much more. Because asexual and aromantic individuals in particular remind us that touch can be meaningful without being inherently sexual or romantic in nature. Touch can be meaningful because it grounds us in the moment and reminds us who we are. The touch that grounds us is often the one that maybe startles us or catches us off guard, and yet it's exactly what we need. Unlike unwanted, unwelcome touch, which is always unacceptable, a meaningful, grounding touch can remind us that we are loved beyond measure. I can think of all those times in my life when I got caught up in my thoughts, spiraling into a dark place, and it was the hand of a dear one on my shoulder or on my back, and I remembered to breathe again. Sometimes you see these moments in public when you see two people sitting or standing together and one will maybe grab the other's hand or touch the arm. And it's not inherently a romantic gesture, though sometimes it is. But whether it's romantic or not, it is a precious moment in which one person reminds the other through touch that their body, their life, their presence is sacred. It shows they care about that person, and it doesn't matter who sees, because what's important in that moment is the love and the compassion between these two people. In these moments and so many others, a grounding touch is one in which we remember that we are safe, that we are good enough, that we are beloved children of God. And yet, touch requires vulnerability which invites risk. Queer people know this well because they know that by expressing that loving touch with one another, there is that risk for harassment or even violence from those around them. But to echo what Joey said last week about risk, you take the risk because you have faith that life will be better when you do. To receive the touch of our dear ones is to be vulnerable, but in that vulnerability we hope and trust and have faith that we will find something wonderful. And so in tonight's scripture reading, we hear of Jacob and his vulnerability. When we encounter Jacob, he is this powerful man in the midst of risking everything. Jacob and his entire family, all of his possessions, are in movement. They're traveling toward his brother Esau. And the last time that Jacob was around Esau, Esau said he was going to kill Jacob for robbing Esau of their father's blessing. So now, years later, Jacob embarks on this journey towards what could either be reconciliation or destruction. And so hoping for reconciliation, Jacob has developed this elaborate plan where he sends his family on ahead of him across the river to present Esau with a gift so that when Jacob arrives after the rest of them, Esau might be a little more gracious. 
And so we find Jacob in the dark, alone. And in his darkness and in his isolation and his vulnerability, someone, a complete stranger, comes into Jacob's space and wrestles with him all night until daybreak. They wrestle their hands holding onto each other's bodies, struggling together. And it is unclear who this stranger is. Scripture first identifies him as just a man, but the rest of the story makes it a little more ambiguous. Some say that the man is an angel, and others suggest that this stranger is God, because Jacob says, I have seen God face to face. But whoever the stranger is, it appears there is something divine about them. And so if this stranger really is, in fact, somehow divine, we might think that this would be an easy match. But it's not. At some point, Jacob's strength becomes overpowering, and the stranger actually strikes Jacob on his hip so that his hip is put out of joint. And Jacob will be crippled from this for the rest of his life. And on some level, I think this is a little unfair. It feels like cheating. It doesn't sound like a touch that is as loving and wonderful as the touch I described earlier. But the larger story tells us that this touch is holy, not because it hurts Jacob, but because it grounds him and reminds him who he is. Jacob is suddenly at his most vulnerable, more vulnerable than he's ever been. Jacob has lived his entire life striving to get what he wants. And even his name, Jacob, means heel grabber, because Jacob was born grabbing his brother Esau's heel. So even as an infant, Jacob has been all about holding on to power. The stranger's touch is a holy touch, because unlike when Jacob sneakily stole his brother's blessing, Jacob can now demand a blessing, saying to the stranger, I will not let go until you bless me. But it will not be a blessing for his identity that Jacob was trying so hard to hold on to. Instead, the stranger's blessing is for Jacob's new identity, his true God-given identity found in his new name. The stranger says, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. This new name means the one who strives with God. When we strive and struggle with God, struggle with what the scriptures say, struggle with what the church says, with what our society says, it's in that struggle, when we are holding on to dear life, hoping beyond hope that there will be a blessing, in that struggle is where we find our identity. In the struggle is when God names us as God's own. So after Jacob, Israel, wrestles the stranger, he goes and meets Esau. He approaches Esau, bowing, asking for forgiveness in total humility. And Esau 
greets him with a holy touch, a loving embrace. He falls into his brother weeping. The tears are on Jacob's neck. And in that moment, we are reminded that through touch, we are reconciled to one another and we are reconciled to God. Queer people remind us that touch is a bold statement that says to the world that they will live their God-given truth. And so may all of us hear that, learn from that, and live our own God-given truth in our God-given bodies, knowing that we are always being changed, always being reconciled to one another and to God, and that we are always beloved. Amen.